2: You're listening to the best of the Tom Bernard Show brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant.
3: Who me? Well, <laughs> so I'd like to really know if
2: I was married singer. to a horror oh,
3: piece
4: of
2: shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could just look at her license.
5: My
6: a special stripe. That was uh, amazing. Oh there. my gosh! <laughs> Coming by sweet corn, potatoes, onions. yet another episode of the best of the tom bernard podcast brought to you as always by brad shaw and bryant kicking off the best of this week we had minnesota's own craig Muckler, a man of many talents and many successes next
2: Craig Muckler, ladies and gentlemen, 1953, the Masabi Range town of Virginia, Minnesota, is born with a stutter and a determination to overcome it. Damn it. Are people born with stutters? I didn't even know that, Craig. Is that
5: true, Craig? They're born with stutters? Just me. Yes, you're, you're Only 1% it. of us in the freaking world, and I happen to be one of them. Just my luck. So you were... you were Me and Mel Kellis, right?
2: Oh, yeah, but if you sing, you don't have a stutter. It's true. As long as you talk
5: in cadence no. or sing in cadence, no, then you true. don't stutter. Yeah, it's, it's true.
2: true. Well, you don't stutter very much, Greg. No. You've been working
5: on it, huh? Well, I have been. In, in, in fact, it was crazy, Tom. I mean, I grew up in Virginia Minnesota, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
5: and 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 of all things, uh, you know, my high school, my grade school, I was the I was the one percent. No one else, no one else in the freaking place stuttered except for me. And I thought it was a curse. I mean, growing up, I was bullied, and of oh, all, things, God. I was bullied. And I was held back in school because they thought I was freaking slow. But it was I just thought different from everyone. And right. <laughs> did i tell you, Tom, I was influenced by, of all people, Rock Hudson's mother used to live with us every summer at really? my cabin. Really? Yeah. And, and what happened was I would watch movies and I said, Hey, I'm going to be just, you know, if, if I'm on the screen or producing a film, I won't stutter. And one year, I was at a Rock Hudson's house, I was 13 years old, and I told Rock, because his mother was like my grand, my grandmother, like the grandson, he obviously yeah, never sure. yeah, Right. And he said, Craig, you won't, that study will not bother you at all. And, so, and sure enough, I kept in touch, he was my biggest influence in my life, and his mom, and years later, I would graduate with a double degree in theater arts journalism, moved to LA with a little bit of a stutter, but it didn't bother me. And within 10 years, I produced two of the top cult films in the world. Yep. yep. And, and and I had a talk show, and I stuttered, and it was the number one talk show on Group Duffield. And I, you know, I mean, who would have thought? And I became an influence with many people. I then mean, what the hell? I had a stutter? Who gives a shit? No, I, I'm, well, no, I, no, it's I fine. Mean, who, who, who gives a whatever? Right? shit. That's good. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, it's, I not, it's not a problem. No, 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 no it's I forgot, not a problem. I'm not on
2: my show. <laughs> it's not a problem, Craig. I, I, what I like about it is that you embrace it. If you have something, I don't care if you got, you know, uh, your eyes are crossed, you stutter, you got, you know, one foot's on backwards, whatever. As long as you embrace it, people can't harm you. I think it's very no, smart. It's no. very smart to do
5: that. Thank you. That's true. I mean, it, it, it's insane. And through the years, I mean, th- I mean, it's funny. I have this talk show, right? Craig Muckler's Hollywood Showcase. And, and, and a producer comes up and says, Craig, you're a funny guy. You do improv. <laughs> you have movies of all things, cult films, and you're kind of out there. So he talked me into having my own show. <laughs> In 1985... I have Joe Sholin on my show, right? She was gorgeous, mm-hmm. Babes in Toyland, with Bo Svenson. <laughs> Bo Svenson was a friend of mine. I have a, a number of shows, right? Mm-hmm. And he yeah, comes right. on and says, Craig, <laughs> you know, you can't totally lose your stutter. I said, What are you talking about? Yeah. I spent a million dollars, therapists, marbles in my mouth, <laughs> <laughs> needles oh, in my yeah. face. Right. Are you kidding me? I says, No. Because you have it under control. You, you, you have it under control, right? Yeah, Hello? well, that's
2: it. That's exactly what I'm talking about, Craig. Okay. You, you embrace it. You have it under control. You do what you do. I will Hello. tell you.
5: Hello, what... I lost you there. Uh, <laughs> Tom? Oh, okay, he, anyway. he
2: can't hear me. Apparently the phone's
5: talking Oh, can, can you hear us? me now? I'm back. Okay, okay, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, m- my, phone, m- my phone is stuttering.
2: <laughs> oh God! And you're a smart did anybody sakes. tell you that? anybody tell you're a smart
5: <laughs> ass? Craig, one thing. And, I, and uh, so both, both Svensson said, "Craig, you don't want to lose your stutter." And said, well, "Why?" I said, "Because it's part of your charm. It's part of why you have an audience." Mm-hmm. So I did embrace it, and you know, and, and I became kind of an influence with people with speech handicaps all over the place when I had a show. And I said, "Well, you know what? Maybe this is God's plan for me." <laughs> you know. Yeah.
2: Well, there you go. I will tell you one thing, Craig. You uh, you're what sixty six years old. You sound like you're about twenty four.
5: Oh, I did, I thought
2: that's. Right. I thought he was like in his twenties. <laughs> you do. You sound really well, young.
5: Thank you. Well, thank you. <laughs> that
2: is
3: and
5: true. you know that you know. I, I guess it, it kind of helps me too. With, I have a TV show coming on. My TV show is coming back. <laughs> Obviously, wonderful. So I don't want to have too much Botox. <laughs> no, that would not for be my good. fans.
2: <laughs> that would be good. I understand it completely. I did you no. <laughs> so you got bullied because you stuttered?
5: Yeah, yeah. So
2: why I don't see? I mean, I, I'm sure that it's happened to a lot of kids, but I don't understand. I need to bully you because you stutter. Makes no sense to me whatsoever.
5: No, no. I mean, I, I, I mean, and it's true. I was bullied as a kid, even into to junior high. And all I mean, but like what what I did was you know, someday I took Rock Hudson's advice. I'm going to make it against all odds. So I started a rock band when I was in ninth grade.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: <laughs> Winds of Change, and I took Mel Tillis advice. <laughs> I started singing in a band. I still stuttered, but the big difference when I was in tenth grade, we were a popular band. I never asked a girl out in my life until some girl asked me out, oh, see how she great thought that. I was cute and sang, right? <laughs> and then she said, Craig, I, you, your stutter is cute. <laughs> well,
2: there you go. That's
5: you what know I what I mean? Yeah,
2: I know exactly what you're yeah. talking about. Look, Craig, I will tell you, one of the greatest jokes ever written involves a guy who stutters. Uh, and... It, it, I can tell you the joke if you want to hear it, because it's a great joke.
5: Yeah, i love to. And sure. it does,
2: it's not insulting at all. But, okay, so there's a faith healer, right? You know, the, right. these ministers, he's a faith healer. And yeah. <laughs> uh, so the faith healer's up on stage. He goes, we've got a couple young guys who going to come up on stage. Come on up. Uh, yeah. Billy, come on up on stage. Billy, uh, he's got crutches. He can't you know walk without crutches. So Billy comes up on stage. Timmy, <laughs> Timmy stutters. Timmy, come up on stage. Uh, and he introduces Timmy <laughs> and Billy, and he goes, okay, both of you, go behind that curtain over there. I'm going to call upon yeah. God to 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 cure both of you. You'll be cured by the time you leave today. So go back <laughs> behind the curtain. You go behind the curtain. Have you heard this joke, Craig? No, no. Good. Good. Okay, so they're behind the curtain, and a guy starts calling them and beseeching, you know, this, that, and the other thing, calling upon the Lord to, to, uh, to heal both Timmy and Billy. And he goes, Billy... Billy, you're healed now, so take that left crutch and throw it over the throw it over the curtain. So all of a sudden, you see one crutch come flying over the curtain. Goes, Billy, yeah. here it is. You're completely cured. The power of our prayers have cured you. Throw your other crutch over the curtain. Here comes the other crutch flying over the curtain. About a two second pause, and all of a sudden, you hear this big thud, and then there's this silence, and then you hear Billy fell down.
5: <laughs> it's one of the greatest oh, jokes ever told. Hey, hey, it's, Tom, I must tell you that you know, uh, you know, after that joke, uh, uh, back in uh, you know, uh, uh, in 1983, finally, uh, m- m- my film, which is now now one of the top five cult films in the world of all things, uh, Jackie Vernon started my movie Love Microwave Masker. Loved him, and it took three years to get it going. Now it's one of the top ever, and. But, but, but like 1985, it was out. It was, and it was already like a cult cult film. I get a call from Jackie Vernon. He was like family to me. Loved him. He says, Craig, I want you to come down to the improv. You know, you know, the improv, famous, uh, Bud Freeman's had a syndication show on it, right? Yep, absolutely. And so I went down. He says, Come on down. I want to introduce you to some people. I go down at seven o'clock in, in the odd, in the, in the stage area, there's only like 20 people, I go to the bar, and there is Jackie Vernon with Bud Freeman. And he introduces me to who? Robin Williams. Oh, God. And we're talking, and Robin Williams says, Hey, Craig, I love your film. Jackie is my, oh, my God, he's iconic. Phenomenal. And he says, you have, a, you have a stuttering routine. I say, Well, yeah. And then Bud Freeman himself says, Greg, there's no one on the stage. Go up. <laughs> said, Are you kidding me? So I go up on the stage. There's only 20 people in the audience and who's right in front of me, but Jackie Vernon, Bud Freeman, and freaking <laughs> Robin Williams. So I said, all right. <laughs> there I am. I took a shot of whiskey, had to. And, and I, I said, yeah, this is a nice stuttering routine. Look, I'm kind of famous because I did a couple films, but I stutter. So I'm on to tell the truth. And so they have us three contestants and these famous celebrities there. And the guy said, uh, number one, what is your name, please? My name is Craig Muckler. Number two, what is your name, please? My name is Craig Muckler. (laughs) Number three, what is your name, please? My ma 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 is ko mum muckler. I looked down and there is Robin Williams busting his gut laughing, you know. Well
2: see. That's the way to handle these things. That's wonderful.
5: Yeah. And you know, I mean, I would see Robin Williams now and then at the improv you know, later, so it was it was really fun. You know, and I used my stutter. Even Robin says, God, Jackie said you had a stutter, Craig, but you overcame it. My God, boy, did you? I mean, this comes from Robin Williams. Yeah. You know, to get that type of feedback from him was incredible. I can understand that you know? completely. You know, if, you, if you didn't have a stutter, you'd almost sound a little bit like Robin. Yeah, I could see
2: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. Absolutely. So, yeah, no. Craig, what, what, what? Crypticon, Minneapolis, it's it's this Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Is that correct?
5: Right. Yeah.
2: Okay. So, uh, uh, at,
5: at the airport, at the Hilton Air, uh, airport. Yeah. Hilton, there'll be thousands of people there. In fact, my, my, believe it or not, my manager is the same manager as Jesse Ventura. So we're both going to be there. I'll be there with Jesse.
2: Oh, Jesse's going to be there at Crypticon. Oh, i yeah. right. I think. Cassie told as, me that
5: as, as a guest.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's and you know, I could see he, he's. Uh, well, Crypticon. So, Crypticon is basically what? What kind of thing is he it? He
5: was a host for that show. Crypticon. Uh, you know, uh, in fact, I've gone to probably fifteen of these around around the country because uh, my films. That I, I usually have gone and, you know, with, with beautiful um, Joe Shoren and, and Chris Smolke, also from Minnesota, and and I got to tell you, in the last few years, these horror conventions have erupted all over the country. And for example, microwave masking now. I have a million fans out there, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're under the age of thirty. All these kids are into the older. I mean, it's new stuff now, but they're into all the Hellraiser movies. Oh yeah. Uh, Andy yeah. Robinson's going to be there, uh, also I guess, with me. You know, from <laughs> Dirty Harry and oh, God, Hellraiser he was movies.
2: Good. He was so good in Dirty Harry. And these kids
5: are. are, are I, I mean, there's sort a of rabbit now about. All the, there'll be five thousand people there for us. Yeah, that's know? phenomenal. And Jesse's hosting the unexplained or some the unexplained some show that's like stories of unexplained. You imagine
2: Jesse Ventura telling you a scary story? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you
5: could you, yeah. You'd have yeah. to start. You know, laughing. He's actually not and, bad on it. And, oh, and, really? Yeah, and, and and believe it or not, I'll, I'll be you because my show, my TV show's coming back, Craig Muckworth's Hollywood Showcase, into ne- next year. In fact, uh, 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 one of your competitors maybe, but he's a cool guy Watch, listening right now, is Lou Pizarro, you know, Repo Radio. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's actually going to be involved with me on my TV show.
2: Well, that's wonderful. And so where's the TV show going to be and what date does it start?
5: Well, we've had, I was in Los Angeles doing a, a number of, of episodes. I have a great uh, director now, and Andy Watson, local guy here, and Bob Cummings is my co-host. Uh, so it's, we, we are hoping... To even shoot at eight, an HBO t- type of thing, why not?
3: Mm-hmm. Yes, or or right.
5: True TV, where where uh, Lou Pizarro had his big show, Operation Repo. So, right. it's a combination, you know, variety talk show. You know, I just want to be totally different from the 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 tonight type shows, right? But they're all the same.
2: No, they are absolutely. You know, they are indeed. Craig, they're Muttler all political.
5: Them. Yeah, and, and of course, I have to have you on. Cool,
2: right? Come on, a TV show, and scare people. All right, you little brats. you <laughs> would be phenomenal. Well, come oh on, my scare God. everyone. Craig, i got to tell you my favorite and- Jackie Vernon joke of all time, because I adored Jackie Vernon, right? Oh, yeah. Wonder, of my, my favorite, he walks on The Tonight Show one night, and he goes, so, Johnny, I'm changing my name. I'm changing my name to Nosmo King. I got it from a no smoking sign. No smoking. I thought
1: it was
2: a great no smoking. That's great.
1: man. <laughs> it does sound
2: like a name, That's right? That's great. Nasmo, how are you no,
5: doing? No, yeah, it? no. It's great. All right, Craig. What's... I mean, he was so high witted. Uh, you know, it's amazing. I mean, he became like my father, uh, my father. Oh my god! Phenomenal. I mean, he, 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 I'd go over at Christmas time, and and he, I tell you, even around the. the the table at dinner, he, he'd he'd have he's so high witted, these jokes are just flying oh, yes. all the time.
2: Very funny, very funny. Uh, he, he's the only yeah. guy I ever heard. He walked out on the Ed Sullivan and show and said, "I had a lot of trouble in high school. A couple of girls got me into trouble. <laughs> 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 a couple of girls got him pregnant. Oh, okay. Well, you know. Yeah, no. So Craig, no. when when, you know? uh, when you're back in town, give me a buzz. We I'd love to have you back on the show, man.
5: Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, you know, you know, Tommy Also, because people are asking me, even lose, you know, I have a lot of fans around here. Obviously, yeah. it'd be great to come on your morning show sometime too. Uh,
2: absolutely, Craig, I'd love to have you on the morning show. Uh, t-
5: uh, actually, uh, actually, I'm also good friends with Jeff Pazzo.
2: I wouldn't tell anyone that if I were you. <laughs> no, I
5: know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe maybe not. After he retired, I think he and Marianne had to go into hiding maybe.
2: <laughs> no, that's exactly right. You're absolutely right. Craig, stay in touch, Pally. Thank you for your time today.
5: You bet. Well, I really appreciate this. Big time. Oh, thanks for coming. Every time, because I lived in, in L.A. for years, every time I came back, everyone said you have to listen to the Tom Bernard show, and I did. And you, you are the, one of the best
2: period. I've always loved you. Did I ever tell you
5: that? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Craig. Well, thanks so much for for having me on. It's it's an honor. We'll
2: talk again, sir. An honor to have you on. Absolutely. Craig Muckler, ladies Uh, and gentlemen, this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah, thanks.
6: Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast.
5: There's no business like show business like
6: Greg Muckler on the best of. Coming up we next, we had comedian David Huntsberger in studio.
2: When are you going to Crypticon?
1: <laughs> uh, I think we're going to make an appearance. Dave's doing a panel tomorrow, I believe, at like two something with Doug Bradley, and then he's, he's out,
2: out at six o'clock uh, tomorrow night.
1: Yeah, I think Dave's doing his panel at or Eight, his yeah. talk that he does about ghost hunting and the paranormal. At, like, Cassie's the, husband
2: has a has a show on the Travel Channel starting with October third.
1: October third, called the Holzer Files, which. They delve into the cases of the famous paranormal investigator Hans Holzer,
0: who... (laughs) I thought it was just like, hey, I got a file tip, you holzer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, Hans Holzer.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, Holzer (laughs) House. Hey, Holzer. (laughs) (laughs) That's
1: very funny. Well, they do a lot of East Coast stuff, so I don't know. Uh, But, no. I'm picturing
2: Rick Rick Moranis right in my head. I know, right? He's got the stocking cap on.
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no
1: God. but no Hans Holzer was kind of like the first paranormal investigator that filmed his stuff so they had you know have footage oh yeah that's
2: right
3: so yeah. he was
1: kind of like the first tv para, uh, paranormal investigator and they would do documentaries mm-hmm. they would put into documentaries and stuff but yeah they're going back to old case files that were never really followed up on because he passed away and actually Hans Holzer was the la- very last interview he did before he passed away was with Dave Oh, I didn't on know On Darkness that. Radio, yeah.
2: I didn't know that. Her husband's got like two radio shows and a TV show. Three.
1: He works eight days a week. Three now? <laughs> well, he's got Midnight in the Desert, oh, Monday right, through yeah. Friday, yeah. 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. Central. And then he does Beyond the Darkness on Saturday and Sundays. And then he's got True Crime Tuesday. Oh, that's Tuesday. right.
2: Yeah, every Tuesday. I forgot about
0: that.
1: He's always and working. he got the TV
0: show going. And Is he always show? finding ghosts? Or is it all paranormal things? Is it all ghost-related or just everything? Well, it's just
1: UFO, anything anomalous, Uh fringe-type stuff. That's what he does, so. Interesting. But the show itself is concentrated on ghost hunting and ghosts and spirits and stuff and hauntings Mm -hmm. of these uh, places, so. Cool. I've never
2: had any of those experiences. Never. Yeah. I must be boring as shit. <laughs> well,
3: it's
0: That's weird. That's how I feel. Not even I'm like, ghosts. I'm ready. Come on. Nah, nothing.
2: <laughs> well,
3: it's weird. Yeah, cause like do. we're <laughs> Just I picture the up. ghost like,
0: you guys seeing this? <laughs> no, I'll No, I'm not seeing it. Don't make eye contact.
1: No.
2: <laughs> get, get, get rebuffed by ghosts. Hey. <laughs>
1: well, the majority of the experience that I've had is at the Palmer House. Oh, you've had
2: experiences? I've had many. I didn't know that. Yeah. Like, I don't get one.
1: I don't, well, you got to <laughs> go yeah, out you got to go leave there. the house, Tom. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, you, you know, my, I swear to God, I must be. I could walk into the, what's the house? Palmer House. Palmer House. house? I literally could hear the ghost go, "That prick!" <laughs>
1: <laughs> and they just
2: oh, go time and they go hide. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't. Yeah, we're not, I'm not coming out for him. We'll, we'll take. We'll it. take... <laughs> that'd be
0: a good feeling, though. At least to go, I heard ya. <laughs> yeah, fine, yeah, I heard ya. Yeah, <laughs> they could kick you in the Got boy. all <laughs> <wife>. <laughs> yeah,
1: so We should take Tom ghost hunting for Halloween. That's I what should. We should... Oh,
2: oh, I should be do cool. that. Yeah. yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Honest to God, JB, you want to go?
6: No, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Big baby. Being that I would be the first to go. Oh, yeah. Attack well, you oh, yeah. a black man? Hey, that's yeah. changing
0: in horror movies and stuff. People are aware of the, the stereotype. I don't think it's the That be the greatest,
2: though. You're listening to the whispers background. They brought a black guy. All the ghosts are whispering to one another. that hey, phenomenal. I'd love to hear that. <laughs>
6: I mean, it's just like the guy in the red shirt on uh, Star Trek. You know he's... Oh, he's dying.
2: Yeah, he's yeah. the first yeah. to go. Yeah. Don't yeah, be beaming down in a red shirt because you're not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about that.
1: Hold yeah, on, pretty. I gotta go change my shirt yeah, I, change, yeah, I
2: right. can't beam down God I wish you could beam that'd be great
0: oh yeah where mm-hmm. would you go
2: uh, right now Let's go to the grocery West store Palm. but faster <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go, I'd go to the grocery store grab some stuff beam yeah, that'd back be cool. beam back
0: you know you lose like one two hundredth of your life every time you beam and you went to the grocery store
2: it <laughs> it was worth it, <laughs> <laughs> it, was worth it. Yeah, there was a special on bacon I had to do it yeah that was all there was to it I you know, I uh, do you have any interest in that kind of stuff like the paranormal and the ghosts and all that stuff?
0: Yeah, I have interest. Yeah. I have I mean I I think I'm more on the skeptical side, yeah. but um yeah, I'm open to it. I, if I I'm ready if I saw it to like, you know, when people have those stories Sometimes, when they're rubbing crystals and telling you, you're like, eh. yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I, they, yeah.
0: But so right. often, there are people that are like, I'm not normally one to believe this, but here's what happened. And mm-hmm. I love that story. Mm-hmm. Then I'm That's called it, like, a
1: skeptical believer. Yeah. That's what Dave is. You know, he doesn't believe everything's paranormal. Right. He tries to right. debunk or try and figure out if there's a logical reason for this happening. Mm. So we always go through that kind of stuff, too. But yeah, the experience that I had, I have no way of explaining them other than they were paranormal.
0: Does it make you feel like the world we live in is totally different, defined by different laws and things like that? Mm-hmm. That's a cool feeling.
1: Honestly, I mean, like Dave has this theory too. It's like, uh, like a time slip type of thing. Like, are who's haunting who? Are we haunting the future?
2: Mm. Or it's a little deep.
1: Well, yeah. Well, if you think about, he's
2: like thought Dave was a dope.
1: (laughs) 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 If you think about it, you have three kids sitting on a couch. All of a sudden, they see this ghost figure of an old lady walking through the living room. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, if you reverse it, you know, let's say she has an experience where yeah, she sees three ki- three teenagers sitting on it's her couch. It's a dimensional yeah. thing. That's yeah, true. So it's it it's like, be a
2: dimensional thing. It's that's an, a good that. point.
1: It's an unknown thing. I like the unknown. I like to kind of delve into that kind of stuff and go down that rabbit hole. So... It's fun. I don't believe everything.
0: Right. You know, especially... But well, Dave doesn't either, though,
1: does he? No. He's a yeah, skeptical so. believer.
0: Those are fun things to think about, though. Like, yeah. We
1: yeah. yeah, watch are.
0: Westworld with kind of the AI component or the virtual yeah. reality aspect. Mm-hmm. And if we were in this world where they rewrote the code and, like, cleaned it out. Oh, I thought we cleaned that old lady out of there. Now mm-hmm. some residual stayed. standing. Yeah. Now we're seeing her, like, or at least a hologram of her kind of come at. down. Yeah. It's interesting
2: way to look at it. It absolutely is. There's well, different... that's basically genetics. I mean... There's shadows of people who lived tens of thousands of years ago. You know, their DNA is part of someone's DNA, and mm-hmm. that, there's some specific behavior that a person now has that started because of, you know, that person hmm. thousands yeah. of years ago. That's why I'm so forward. <laughs> <laughs> <remember from> <laughs> oh, you I mean,
1: would make you know, a fun ghost, Tom.
2: I'd make a fun ghost. Yes. Well, you yeah. wish I was dead? Is that the idea? <laughs> God, I wish you were dead. I was like, great, thanks.
0: <laughs> no, so, a oh, great me. T-shirt. I wish you were a ghost.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I wish you were a ghost. In other words, I wish you were dead. But other than that, I feel really good about it. Everything was going really well. When I was four, my great-grandmother died. She was 104 years old. She was a little tiny woman. And, and I did see her at the end of my bed, but I didn't know she was dead. Oh, so because she lived up north or whatever, so I was in bed and she was standing at the end of my bed. You know, I woke up and I saw her there, and she didn't really say anything. She was looking at me, and then I went back to sleep, and then I woke up the next morning and found out she was dead.
1: Mm-hmm. So I don't know what that was. Well, that's <laughs> actually very common for family, oh, especially for family members right after a passing. A lot of times they'll say, like in a dream or something, their family member that passed away will come and visit with them and just to yeah. let them know they're okay. Type of thing. Oh, just
0: yeah. before I go, I want to really <laughs> scare Tommy. He's only four years old. Let's scare
2: the piss out of him. But I mean, when you think about it, her impression that could have been a oh, little bastard just went back to sleep. What am I boring? <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, God the hell is that just the toes is
1: awful when there. i when i ghost hunt i just treat the ghost as if they're living people because they well, were people do. right well you watch these shows they ask the same questions who are you yeah. how many are here know. you know and can you imagine being a ghost and hearing the same damn questions? so what do you ask
0: like do you like soup yeah, yeah like well, I, I All
1: basic <laughs> basic questions you yeah. know or, you know i'm not like how old are you? And I, I just talk to them, ask questions like I'm meeting somebody for the first time.
2: What do you call What do you call those people, again, that t- like can read your mind? I mean, they're not mind readers. They Psychics. Have some- psychic. psychic, yeah, the psychic. I like it when they go, uh, your mother. Yes, I can see your mother. I'm getting the name Phyllis. No, her name's Pauline. Yeah, it starts with a P. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. It's called you know, cold yeah. reading. Yeah. Oh, it's called, yeah uh, they're yeah, very good a, at that, I guess. Yeah. I know, oh, yeah. and it's
1: amazing how... People when they're getting a reading done like that, and they're getting a cold reading, they don't realize how much information they're giving the psychic mm-hmm. to co- oh, come back. And, then, yeah, they're I like, that's and true. then they're like, "Oh my god, they were so spot on!" It's like, yeah. do you realize what you told them? You already told them. And your responses. <laughs> that's yeah. gold, but that isn't said, it that. that you know, it's like it's like a, an illusion. Like, it's magic. Yeah, like like it's trick.
0: I will say, I was watching Forensic Files a while ago. I'm real into that. I <laughs> love Forensic Files. <I'm> so good. <laughs> Because they always get them. People always go like, oh, you're such a creepy watch. That. Like, it's a show you know going into, they're going to catch the person. And justice yeah. is all, yeah. it's great. <laughs> but one of them, and they just, like, barely briefly touch on it. And then at the end, they kind of put a little disclaimer. Like, no one knew how this happened. They're, the case is dead. It's a cold cold case. And then a psychic out of nowhere goes, I think you should dig over here. And then there was no way they could tie the psychic in any way to having anything to do with any of the people involved. Mm-hmm. They went and dug and found remains, found a DNA sample, caught the person. It couldn't, couldn't in any way tie the psychic to mm-hmm. press any level of charges. They just put a disclaimer at the end. No one could ever explain how this person knew. And I was like, you don't see that a lot. No. yeah
2: Yeah. So how I, do they think, How does that happen?
1: It's some. I I believe some people are truly psychic, and I mean, right. there obviously there's a ton of scammers out there, but
2: yeah, there are a ton of scammers I, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: but I mean, I know a couple that are really psychic, and they're really good at what they do, and mediumship too. And mediumship and psychic are kind of the same thing, but yet separate. Like when you're talking to a psychic,
2: keep your hand on your purse. <laughs> yeah, I would. Because a lot of them are just. I just plug film. my ears.
0: <laughs> yeah, blah, blah, Not getting, blah, blah. getting my thoughts. This is where they leak <laughs> out. Psychics, they
1: say, okay. If you want to put them there in the category psychics are supposed to tell you your future and insight on your life. Oh, yeah, okay. And mediums are ones that can contact the other side for you. My, but usually they put the two together.
0: My mom and my sister are both very into Monica, the medium. And it's embarrassing to me. That? I don't know what she looks like. I, I want to say she has dark hair. Oh. No, the hair?
1: blonde one. That's uh, Teresa, something or Teresa other. Something. The Long Island Medium. Yeah, yeah, right. That yeah, level, is yeah. it like I, Teresa Caputo show. or something, something like that? Yeah, typical. There you go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ty Cobb reference. You there you go. Right there. Very good,
2: David. Very very good. A Ty Cobb. Reference. God, you got to see that movie. Yeah. It's uh, first of all, Tommy Lee Jones is phenomenal. It's just
0: called Ty Cobb. It's
2: just called I think it's just called Cobb. Yeah,
1: okay. it's called Cobb. It's just check called it. Cobb. And Tommy Lee was perfect was for that role because <laughs> he's kind of he's a, a prick. Yeah. Really.
2: So, we're down in a uh, down in West Palm uh, a couple of years ago and he he lives down there with and his wife is uh, Japanese. So they always go to this one sushi place. It's really, really good. And he's sitting over in the corner with his wife, and this about 15 year old boy is all excited because he sees Ty, you know, he, Ty Cop. He sees Tommy Lee Jones sitting over there. As he walks up to the table, Tommy, he's about five feet away, and Tommy Lee Jones looks at him and goes, Yeah, I know, you love my movies. Ooh. Like, oh, come on, man, really? It's a 15 year old kid. Yeah. What are you doing? And I haven't cared much for him ever since. <laughs> I worked
0: at this Western store in Reno, Nevada. Um, the best D Bar M. If you're in town, go and stop where the cowboys shop.
3: <laughs> got the commercial so down. It's, yeah, yeah. It's the
0: D Bar M is an institution. It's fantastic. But they told me the story. This is before I worked there, but they told me the story where like. One day, you know, people are kind of filtering it out, but it's slow. It's the summer, and uh, a guy keeps coming in who's got, like, an earpiece, almost like a CIA guy. Oh, yeah. And he looks around the store, and he'll just hang out for a bit, and he just waited until there was no one in the store, and then he disappeared. And then he came back in the store, like, opening the door and looking around, and then Tommy Lee Jones came in, and then everyone was kind of like... (gasps) And then he refused to talk to anyone. I know. it's I mean, unbelievable. It was just so weird. Like, what you can't go prick. in and mingle with anyone, and even the staff. Like, can I help you? He would just blatantly ignore them and walk right past them.
2: You got to be honest with you. He did that to me. I'd be going, hey, nice complexion. <laughs> 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 I'll take a shot at him, right?
0: Hi, I'm a, here on behalf of Clearasil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly.
2: <laughs> Cassie, do you have that picture I was talking to David yesterday about the Dennis Hoff picture? Oh,
1: I'll look it up.
2: If you oh, could find God, what did do I will still up? never forget I. I don't know where they even got the damn picture because I don't look anything like him. <laughs> but I'm gonna—I didn't know you owned a horror house. I mean, come on, man! Well,
1: that one picture view.
0: Yeah, everyone kept saying it was the one angle. Yeah, so the it was
2: one like, for yeah. some reason. It was, he's wearing like an HBO hat or something, didn't he? Because I think they were doing the Dream. What the hell's the name of it? The Horror House. Yeah, dream?
0: was it? Bun- I thought it was a Bunny Ranch.
2: Bunny Ranch. I think it was a Bunny Ranch.
0: That yeah. was like,
2: Horror House. <laughs> It's not like my grandfather now. <laughs> that horror house down the block. I'm like, okay, grandpa. Let yeah, it. I'll find that picture <laughs> okay, of you. Okay, yeah. If you can find, it, I want to show it to Dave because I don't look anything like him except for that one picture.
0: The, it's then, weird that the Bunny Ranch took over because growing up in Reno, the Mustang oh. Ranch well, the thing, was synonymous oh yeah, forever. Absolutely. Then, so they were like this little upstart, and they slowly overtook the Mustang Ranch. But everyone, when I was a kid, was so familiar. With the Mustang Ranch, that one time I was at a gas station. I'm 16, barely driving. And this dude showed up in a convertible white Mercedes. And he's also wearing white, like Miami Vice gear. And he's clearly a tourist, a lot of chains and stuff. And he gets out and goes, Hey man, do you know where the Mustang Ranch is? And I was like, Why would you ask me? I'm 16. Also, it's that way. Best of the
6: Tom Bernard podcast. Find me, gag me, take me to the bunny ranch. People dying, kill me in the packing house. That was David Huntsberger on The Best Of. Coming up next, closing out the show, we're opening up the old... oh! All the way back to episode 565 with R.L. Akers, talking about the science behind science fiction. One kiss, two kiss, how you make it look like that? Do me, dog.
2: R.L. Akers with us. How you doing, R.L.? Doing pretty good. I'm glad to hear it. R.L. Akers, author of Prometheus Rebound and Prometheus Revealed, science fiction fans. Lining up to see now. RL, do you think Interstellar is too long? (laughs) Uh,
4: I love the first hour of the movie.
6: (laughs) There's my answer.
4: Maybe I should just leave it at that. (laughs) There's my
2: answer, and that's the only criticism I've heard of the movie that it's too long. People like it, but now RL is here to talk about. Science being part of science fiction, commonplace misconceptions. This is going to be fascinating. I think RL to talk to you about these misconceptions that Hollywood has perpetrated in our favorite movies. Like, is there one that really annoys you?
4: Uh, you know, the funny thing is that um, the, the one that I, I think is embodies some of the worst uh, misconceptions and, and reinforces them. Uh, is actually one that doesn't bother me at all because I don't think they're really trying. I mean, they, they, uh, and that's Star Wars. I mean, I absolutely love Star Wars, love right. Star Wars movies. The originals more so than the prequels, but I do like the prequels. Um, but you see a lot of the misconceptions reinforced there, uh, but it's more like fantasy in space. You see some of that same stuff occur in other movies and, you know, where the movie wants you to take it, so take it a little more seriously, and, and that gets more frustrating. Um but, I mean, you know, examples, if, if you're interested in...
2: Uh, oh, we're very... I, I love this stuff.
4: <laughs> uh, you know, visible laser beams in space. And uh, one of the classic ones is just this idea of sound transmitting through space, you know. <laughs> and And... <laughs> <laughs> you know, we love our and we love you know we we want it we want to feel like we're there and the the problem is that space is such an unnatural i mean we were not designed to live in space you know and so when you see something happening in outer space in vacuum ships moving around you expect them to make noises because that's what things do when they yeah
2: it's a good point
4: but they don't do that in space
2: they don't make any noise at all because there's nothing to rebound off there are no waves
4: Yep, no air for sound to travel through. So I think a lot of times, you know, movie makers go for that effect that they think people will appreciate and enjoy rather than what's truly accurate, if they even give it that much thought. I think, you know, a lot of people obviously don't think don't think that far.
6: No. I'm, so in the Star Trek Enterprise docks onto the big sta- station, there's no sound?
4: Well... You would probably hear that sound passing through your ship because you're impacting something else. Right. So that that would resound through the ship and okay. through the air in the ship. Um, but you know, if you zip past another another spaceship and you don't actually hit it, or or you know, what I'm saying there's no actual physical contact, then no, you're not going to hear anything from that near miss. The way you would if you know the ambulance speeds by you. Uh, broadcasting sound it just barely misses you know you know, on the interstate you know you'd, you'd hear the whoosh, you'd hear the the sound changes as <laughs> it passes by you but not out in space no so right.
6: the, so the Sarah Bullock Sandra Bullock one that was pretty more gravity. that was gravity that was more accurate than
4: <laughs> you know somebody else asked me about that movie just yesterday i need to go see that when that oh. movie came out i was finishing up uh, Prometheus revealed and there was so much I, I could just see from the trailers, there would be so much similarity between certain aspects of the story. And I didn't want to be influenced, you know. Okay. So I, now that that's done, I need to go see that.
2: Now, I will tell you this, RL. Um, as a little child, I went to see a movie called Fantastic Voyage. And while they don't put they shrink people down in a spaceship and inject them into someone's bloodstream, it's that was pretty. I mean, was that forty some years ago? Yeah, at least, Fantastic Voyage was out, and and they're getting pretty close. Not again with the human being part of it, but Perhaps. they, the, the little nanobots and all mm-hmm. the rest of it. Uh, that was a pretty good call for forty five years ago or whenever it was. Yeah, absolutely.
4: Um, you know, neat too that you mentioned that because because I think one of the common misconceptions about science fiction that it, is that it deals primarily with space and aliens. Mm-hmm. And and I say no. I mean, in my case, yes. But, I mean, there's so many great stories out there that go far beyond just space or aliens. I mean, this would definitely be
2: science fiction as well. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you look back at the great writers. You included, of course, R.L. Let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> but uh, science fiction is, it has to be done well because there, there are a lot of bad science fiction writers and I think the genre, you have to be, first of all, don't you think that you have to be a pretty damn intelligent person to even write science fiction in the first place?
4: Now that is a dangerous question. (laughs) Of course
6: he does.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's
4: true. (laughs) You have to know where to find your information. You have to be able to research. You have to know who to ask. Uh, And I think more importantly, you have to want to. You have to want to find out how it would actually work in the real world, so to speak, in the real universe, if you will. Um... And, and for me, that's, I, it just has to, it has to fit. The facts have to fit. Uh, it has to be a plausible story, both in terms of the science and in terms of how the humans act, you know, the, the way people act and react within the story.
2: Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. And that's why some people are, are, are so talented, do it so well, because it's a lot of hard work, isn't it? So
4: it's, it is a lot of research, absolutely. And then making it fit and then making it sound natural. You know, you, you want to lay out the facts so that so that you're creating a situation that seems possible to, do, to the reader, but you can't do it in such a way that you're boring them to death with details.
2: Now, I, I want to change the direction of the, the interview just one quick minute. Uh, I read a story on the KQRS morning show this morning about, uh, I think, in 2024 they're going to send a spaceship to mars people are paying a quarter of a million dollars for a seat and it's a suicide mission because they're never coming back do you believe that'll actually happen
4: well i mean for years for years i should say for decades you know these space tourism uh, companies have been selling Mm -hmm. uh seats at exorbitant sums i mean i've heard as much you know everything from hundreds of thousands to a million dollars um that's more for, you know, the space tourism just a trip up and back or to the moon and back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and people have been paying that speculatively. You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's upfront capital for these companies to try to get up and running. Um, you know, most of them will never get their money back. Maybe some of them will get, or will ne- nobody will get their money back. Maybe some of them will actually get their trip someday. Uh, a lot of them won't. But, you know, I mean, the trip to Mars, who knows? I mean, I, I can believe that people would be willing to do that because what an
2: opportunity. Um, but you can't, you, can't know, <laughs> can't, you can't tell
4: anyone. That's the problem. Tell anyone what?
2: You can't tell anyone that going. you made it because you'll you know you're just going to oh. be on my.
4: <laughs> well, you, I mean, I I don't know anything about this particular opportunity. I mean, oh, well, sure just to,
2: yeah, yeah, to, yeah. The story was yeah, just released I'm today. Happy. As a matter of fact, maybe to terminal, going to cost them ten billion dollars. Oh, to do it. That's what they're saying, $10 billion to get that done. <sighs> but I, I just uh, – I, I wanted to ask your opinion to that because I don't really understand the, hey, this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, well, you're going to die because you're never coming back. Well, apparently the idea isn't just to go there and die. It's to actually colonize <laughs> Mars. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. You don't – we don't know. Well, not in the next 25 years or – Fifteen, I guess it's next. Uh, We've got next the technology to colonize small parts of planets. We just right. It's do? a lot of money is the problem. You know, in the curious, do, do you follow Twitter at all, RL? Uh,
4: I'm trying to improve in that area.
2: Now, well, a lot of us are. I understand <laughs> that. There's a uh, there's a Twitter account called uh, GS Elevator. Gold things supposedly that have been set in Goldman Sachs elevator in New York City. Right? Oh, okay. So when the, when Curiosity landed on Mars, somebody tweeted, supposedly from Goldman Sachs, somebody tweeted, I saw the Curiosity pictures. Mars looks like a shithole.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, but what an opportunity for a story, though.
3: Yeah, yeah. a great opportunity.
4: We can talk about it here for five minutes, but I mean, that right there. You know whether it happens in reality
2: or not that is a book right there absolutely and it, you know as as time goes on uh it's going to get better and better and better better uh, we uh we talk about artificial intelligence once in a while on on the tom bernard show here it is pretty fascinating that that science and it's it's science fact now that there is a reason for great uh for great fear if we don't watch what we're doing with artificial intelligence don't you agree mm-hmm.
4: Yes, but I think it depends on your definition of artificial intelligence. Okay and I'm no, I'm no expert in that field, but I did take um, you know it's an undergraduate level course. I'm a computer science guy from, mm-hmm. from undergrad. And one of the things I was blown away just studying that and, and trying to do some of my own you know real basic work in that class was just how stunningly difficult the the, pr- the idea is of creating sentient, intelligence artificially right um i mean we we as human beings our brains are incredible we are capable of such incredible intuitive leaps and logic that we can't even explain why we jumped to certain conclusions but we're right we're able to do that but if we can't even explain how our brains do what they do how can we quantify that and encode that into an artificial device uh, I don't think we can. Now we can create some incredible what are called expert systems that are that are uh, like idiosyncrasies, basically that are able to do incredible things in a very, very, very uh, specific area of you know of computation. Um, and absolutely, as a as a programmer, I can tell you, <laughs> it is you can you know human beings make mistakes. They program computers to do things that can cause serious issues. So yes, that's the kind of thing yeah. we'd be afraid of. As we give computers more and more power, but this idea of, of the Skynet from the Terminator movies or anything that right and sets out to destroy us, that I have a harder time envisioning at, at any point in our
2: future. Would, wouldn't computers see everything, including human beings, as data?
4: Again, that presupposes this idea of, of a sentient computer That's that, true. It is, yeah. that is aware of itself, and I, I don't know. I mean, I have a hard time picturing that.
2: I understand. When, at what age did you start writing? Oh gosh, um,
4: just for fun, I would say probably in my high school years. You know, a couple of those creative writing projects, but it never became. You know, a goal to write something lengthier until probably college
2: or right after college. What was the first thought? Uh, the duology, Prometheus Rebound and Prometheus Revealed. Do you remember the first thought? You said, hey, wait a minute, here's a book. Here's two books, actually. Uh, do you remember what that thought was?
4: Uh. I do. I do remember one specific uh, day sitting in the bathtub when an idea came to me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you were in the bathtub. <laughs> hey, whatever works. <laughs> it, was, it was. It was. Wow, wouldn't it be weird if this? And I can't tell you what that is because no. it's really the twist. The twist at the final end of the story. But uh, ultimately, I mean, there were uh, that that story, and it's a single story that mm-hmm. is split into two volumes. But right. That story came from, or, or came out of, evolved from three different stories. Um, that I had worked on or played with previously. And I thought, you know, I can fit all of these concepts into one story and give it some more depth, give it some more complexity. Um, so, yeah.
2: It's wonderful reading, wonderful stuff. Uh, you know, I I grew up on Philip K. Dick, and, you know, you get on the list mm-hmm. of people. Uh, it's it's wonderful, and the the only time it is wonderful, the ex- exact thing that you just said, that twist, if you can't figure it out, it makes science fiction fantastic. If you can figure out what the twist is, uh, that's not very good writing. <laughs> you know? You
4: know, I'm, I'm of the opinion that there's a balance in there. I, as a reader, I want to figure it out. Yeah, um, yeah. But, so, I, I, one of the things that I did is I deliberately put in three different twists. And I found that a lot of, of my readers that are being careful about the reading, they're not just sipping through, but they're reading carefully, they'll figure one of them out. And it's not the same one. For one person, it's this. For another person, it's that. So they figure that out, and they get that sense of, of, of anticipation and then and then excitement when they realize that satisfaction. They realize, hey, I figured it out. But there's still the sense of, of, of surprise mm-hmm. when there's more to it than that. So, yeah, I think there's a balance there.
2: I will tell you this, and I hope this is not one of your favorites. I kind of doubt that it would be. But just in case, uh, I just a little forewarning that uh, – the, the final, well one of the final lines in a movie I was watching I, I almost never watched science fiction again because if I ever hear the line Soylent Green is people again <laughs> you remember that moment? I'm not even sure what you just said Charlton Heston was in Soylent Green, a movie called Soylent Green oh, okay. and at the end of the movie he goes Soylent Green is people Oh, it was, just, it was just terrible. But, you know, what the hell. So, uh, you know, we love your work. I, I love brilliant writing. And I do know how hard you work, and I wanted to point that out to people. To do what RL Akers does is not easy. It takes a lot of work. You have to stay with it. And, and how many times – you know, I suppose it varies from from writer to writer. How many times in a story do you sit there and say, uh, this is just not working. i I got to start over. I, I, you know, it's just – and then the next day you go, no, it is working. Everything's fine. Does that happen to you?
4: Uh, I don't know that that specific thought ever passes through my head, but this particular project was five years into writing. Five and years. And I think what would happen is I would do, I would get discouraged sometimes, and I'd go a month without touching it. Oh, okay. Um, and then come back. I'm like, no, I'm excited. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish this. I'm going to work out the problems. You know, I'm going to rework this and rewrite that chapter. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, there is definitely discouragement at times.
2: it's a fascinating Vince Flynn I don't know if you knew Vince's writing at all he was kind of an espionage writer, grew up in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago. I had 15 international bestsellers, but I used to watch him work and it was just, it was amazing. The, the research and the, a lot of guys, like in his business, he had to travel everywhere to the Middle East and, and Europe and all around America, spent a lot of time in DC just to make sure he had the facts right. Because it would ruin the story for him. If all his facts weren't correct, it would ruin it for him. Yes. Got
3: and You know,
4: that. I've said I've said before that that I cannot imagine even twenty years ago how authors wrote because they because they would have to do what you just said. Either they'd have to spend a lot of time in a library and still not get a hold of half the information right. they needed, or they'd need to travel the world. Now, I just feel so blessed to have the internet available to me and Wikipedia to get me started, and then I know who to ask, what questions, things from there. Yeah, The Internet's really
2: changed the game. Yeah, no doubt about it. rlakers.com It's A-K-E-R-S. R-L-A-K-E-R-S.com. Or at RL underscore Acres on Twitter. Uh, Prometheus Rebound and Prometheus Revealed. Great having you on, RL. Uh, RL is really, really nice talking to you. Well, I
4: appreciate it. I've enjoyed
2: this chat. Thank you, sir. RL Acres. I, I, I love guys like him.
6: episode's magic number is 219, while the twins only have like 16, 15, something like that left. Good luck to them, and good luck to all of you on this wonderful episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast, brought to you as always by Bradshaw and Bryant. Great clips this week. Craig Muckler, David Huntsberger, and R.L. Akers. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week.